Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. We want to have a very clear goal whenever we do a series like this. And we're thankful for the strategy from the Lord you know, we actually plan this stuff amidst all the campus overseers from all the campuses. We collaborate, we pray, we seek God, and we say, what are you saying to our church across the whole thing? And then we, you know, we get that direction from the Lord, and then we say, how do we get there? How do we get to the result the Lord is asking us? And, we're, and we pray through that as well. So it's really been beautiful. This is the third series we've done. We started with the We Are the Resting Place, and then uh, uh, Family First, and now Good News. And I feel like it's been really beautiful, and it's been really enriched. Hopefully, you're enjoying uh, the podcast and connecting with the other campuses, hearing the other messages. We're all speaking from the same passages of Scripture every single Sunday, the same same passages. So you're going to hear a very different flavor between me and Pastor Eric Sue. You are. You're going to hear very different Joel and, and him and I. And we, there's just, it's all these different speakers from these same passages. So I hope that you're, uh, you know, getting everything you can out of that. But this series uh, really has one main idea. And it's this. And if you know me, this is my style. I want to give you the bottom line at the front, right? Here's the bottom line. Everyone is called to share the good news in their own way. Everyone. Everyone. So look at your neighbor and say, everyone. Say, that's you. That's me, right? Everyone is called to share the good news in their own way. Okay, 2 Timothy 4, 5, it's mentioned in the video, but this is Paul to Timothy, and he says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Did you hear that? Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the, this is the deal. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist, but everyone is called to do the work of an evangelist. Every single one of us. All right, and this part of the structure of the church has has hindered us in this, not only in evangelism, but in the prophetic and teaching and shepherding and apostolic ministry. All five of the fivefold ministries really need to be replatformed. Okay, so I want to do that quickly. When it says in Ephesians four that He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, five, He said He gave them to equip the saints for the works of their own ministry. So true evangelists aren't the only ones leading people to Jesus. They're equipping others to lead people to Jesus. Are you following me? So prophets, actually a prophet operating in their highest calling won't be the only one who can prophesy. Quite the contrary. They equip everyone around them to prophesy. They release a grace for you to prophesy. So evangelists will equip the saints for a grace to be evangelistic. Is this making sense? True shepherds will actually help you care for one another. They'll release a grace for you to shepherd the people around you. Teachers will help you understand the scriptures and walk in understanding. But for too long, we've had the evangelists come to town, right? We had the guy or the girl. And listen, Everyone has been given a measure of Christ's gift. This is Ephesians 4, 7. Everyone's been given a measure of Christ's gift. That means every single one of you has a measure of the apostolic gift of Christ inside of you. Not all are called to be apostles, but everybody has apostolic measure, 
Are you following me? Everyone has prophetic measure, evangelistic measure, shepherding measure, teaching measure. Some have greater measure than others. And usually those with extremely high measure in one of them are called to equip the rest. Does that make sense? But everyone has a measure of all five. So you have a measure of evangelistic grace inside of you. You might not know how much it is. You might not be operating in any of it. But my goal, our goal with this series is to wake it up and to get you operating in a higher percentage of your measure. Does that make sense? Some of you will have less measure than me. I'm praying for great grace to operate in an extremely high measure right now by the power of the Spirit because I want to equip you for evangelism. Does that make sense? Like, I want the Lord to flow that way so that you would walk out of here and you would share the good news in your own way. The result we're hoping for is that every member of our church body would see and step into their own work of evangelism. We want you to see it and step into it. Just one step into it. Now, making it practical for you, you heard about our provision room. Isn't that awesome? How many cans just this month or in October? 560? 536 cans of formula in October alone. That's amazing. That's crazy. Crazy. These families come in and they receive the formula like, it's all free. We're like, yeah. And they say, why? I was like, so glad you asked. And your measure of evangelism might not be handing it to the people. It might be unpacking it with my mom, and putting it on a shelf. That is the work of an evangelist. Do you understand? We, for too long, the church has put evangelism in one box in one way, but we've forgotten that it's a ministry of the whole body of Christ. Say the whole body is to be evangelistic. Okay, if the whole body is to be evangelistic, then the hip has a job, the shoulder has a job, the elbow has a job, the hand has a job, but everybody thinks they got to be the hand doesn't make any sense. Okay, so like next week, we're going to talk about some of the how-tos of evangelism. But today, we're just going to say, what is it? What is the good news? What is the good news? We need to define it because how many of you have heard this phrase? The confused mind says no. If it's confusing, you're automatically defaulting to no. So some of us are even confused on how to share it because we're confused on what exactly it is. Like, I know I'm not going to hell. Uh, uh, I know uh, Jesus loves me. Uh, I, I know that when I said uh, the prayer, something changed on the inside, but I don't know how to put it into words. Well, good news, Teacher Caleb here, helping you understand so that you can proclaim. That's the graces. That's how they work. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're wanting this result that everyone would do the work of an evangelist and everyone has their own measure. Your measure might just be putting a can of formula on a shelf. Your measure might be just inviting someone to church. Amen. Your measure might be actually asking them, hey, do you know God? Have you ever met him? He loves you. It might be you stepping into sharing your own story, things like that, and you can grow in your own measure. Hello? Like you can operate in a percentage of your measure now and a higher percentage later. I personally have been increasing in my measure of evangelism. I have. I've been increasing in my measure. Not that I was getting more, because each one has been given a measure. I'm operating in more of the measure I've been given. Does this make sense? And you can too. Amen? Amen. I love it. So what is it? What is the good news? We're going to go down to the ABCs of Christianity. All right? We're going basic today. We're going John 316. That's where we're going. And many of you can quote it. But what I want you to hear, actually, we're going to read John 3, 16 through 21. And I want, you want, I want you to see something. 
Here's the principle you need to see in this whole passage is the world needs saving. And we have to play our part. Okay? That's the, print, that's the whole message today. All right? So we did a little series overview, but now this is the whole message right here. The world needs saving. Have you noticed? The world needs some help. Amen? Right? Come on, somebody. Right? And we have to play our part. Jesus is not coming back to save the world. He already saved the world, and he's asking you to tell somebody. <laughs> All right? You got to play your part. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands, his feet. We have to participate. And again, some of us are the elbow. Some of us are the shoulder. But we're, we're like, I'm not the hand, so I can't do the work of an evangelist. Yes, you can. You have to find your own way of sharing the good news. Because the world needs saving, and we have to play our part. Here's the bottom line. God loves this wretched world. Like, the world is beautiful in one sense, and it's really a mess in other sense. Like, it's beautiful in one way. It's barbaric in another way, right? There, there is beauty and barbarism. There, there are wonderful things happening, and those same wonderful things through, or those same people who do wonderful things also do wretched things. Are you with me? Yeah? The world is not all that lovely at its base. Like, the world is lost. Adam, the first man, Adam, I call him Adam, Adam, Dum. He sinned and brought death into the whole world. Death came on the whole world because of one man's sin. All right? So you and I were born into the Adam's family. Yeah, we were born into that family. And we must be born again and raised again in the family of God. Amen? We talked about it last week, children of light. We have to be born again and raised again as children of light. And in shining, we actually are inviting people off the path to hell and into the path of heaven. Because the heavenly man has made a way. Because God loves a lost and dying world. This is the good news. God loves you. No matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. That's the good news. Jesus said it, John 3, 16 through 21. For God so loved. Say, so loved. I so love pizza. I so love the Buccaneers, even though they break my heart. I so love all of you. But God so loved. Are you hearing this? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This, these are straight out of the mouth of Jesus. Jesus said this, y'all. So he's right about that. Amen? Okay. Should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him, say whoever, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved their darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light but does not come to the light. And does not come to light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. 
Yeah, you didn't know all that was attached to. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. You didn't know that was the same, like, moment, right? Jesus didn't stop there. He said, hey, here's the need for it. There's the nature of it and the need for it. The nature of it is God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You might think you're worthless, but you've been wrong before. My Jesus says you're to die for him. All you have to do is believe him. That's the nature of it. But then he goes into the need for it. He says, I didn't come to condemn the world. You know what condemnation means? It means a death sentence. Jesus didn't come to say, oh, you did bad? Here's the judgment. Death. No. He didn't come to do that. The world was already under a death sentence. Hello? The world was already dying because of a dum-dum. Right? Adam brought, this is Romans 5. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going quickly. But through one man's sin, everybody blames Eve. I don't know why. Read your Bible. It says through one man's sin. Okay, quit, bl quit blaming the ladies, fellas. That's just your insecurity showing. Through one man's sin, all died. But through one man's act of righteousness, all live. And that's speaking of Jesus, the last Adam. Okay? He's not the second Adam, by the way. He's the last Adam. Just a little soapbox. He's not the second to anything. He's the first and the last. Okay? He's the last Adam. Anyway. Sorry, focus, Caleb. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he said, this world needs saving. It, they're killing each other. They're hateful. You know, I mean, God, me, Caleb Hires, without God, is a hateful, dirty, wretched, awful person. You understand? Me, without Jesus, bad mojo, bro. You would not like me. I wouldn't like me. I didn't. Okay? I hated myself. I was a hypocrite. I was so lost, even though I looked found playing the church games, things like that, until God came in and arrested my heart. And something changed on the inside. It's like an internal switch. My outsides are still changing, but my insides changed all the way. You know, the out, it's like it's the seed of salvation is inside, and it has to grow, and you got to change. Amen? That's being re-raised. But born again, you're just changed. Something, a switch gets flipped. Jesus didn't come to say, you've done wrong, I, you're going to be under judgment. No. He said, you've done wrong, and I have a way for you to get out of judgment. I want to say, he said, to save the world through him. Through him. And he, then he said, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Right? So here's what's happening here. Some people have taken these words and say, see, God is condemning you. God hates blanks. God hates this. God hates... No, for God so loved the hateful. For God so loved the wretched. For God so loved the lost, the dying, the pain-riddled humanity. He gave himself, God the Son, for you and for me so that we could believe. I mean, this is a great Jewish bargain. You know, Jesus was a Jew, right? This is a good Jewish deal. Hello? I just cut. Wait. You did all the work. You died. You rose again. You paid for my sin. And I just got to believe it's true. And you'll change me from the inside out. I'll be able to walk new things. I'll be able to do new things. I'll be able to love my neighbor. Okay. I'll take it. Right? The price has been paid. Amen? 
Redemption's price has been paid. But the church has preached of this. like, God hates this. You got to turn or burn. Repent. Good news. You suck. It's like, come on. Jesus said, God loves all of you that are lost, trafficked by sin, taken away, taken captive by deception and the spiritual powers of the world. He loves them so much that he would give his own son. I am God the son. You are to say, be saved through me, believing that I am everything I say I am. He says, the light has come into the world and people love darkness. This is the truth. People will step over the dead body of Jesus to get into hell. It will happen. You're like, how could that happen? How, if they meet Jesus, they would love him. Huh? Some people met Jesus once and they killed him. So this is Caleb's opinion. Say Caleb's opinion. This is not a theological point. I'm just telling you, I believe Jesus laid down at the gates of hell and said, over my dead body, will you get in here? Over my dead body, will you get in here? And some will step. Psalm, this book of Psalms says, those who trample underfoot the Son of God. Some will do it. It's a tragedy. But our job is not to separate the, separate the sheep from the goats. Our job is not to determine who's saved or not. You know, only God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. I can't tell if you're saved or not. I can look at the fruit of your life and make an educated guess. But I don't know for sure because that's, God to, that's for God to know. This is an internal reality. You understand? So next week, we have baptism. If you've never publicly declared Jesus as Lord of your life through baptism, you need to do it. Absolutely. It's not a salvation thing. You're already, you know, saved. It's not, he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. There's only one place called paradise, y'all. It's heaven. It's, it's like some debate. What did he mean by paradise? Uh, uh, oh, let me think for two seconds here. Yes. Theologian, theologians, they find stuff to argue about. That's all that is, okay? So that dude, you're going to see that guy for sure because he believed. He said, this is the Son of God. We've done wrong. He's done nothing wrong. He's innocent. Lamb led to slaughter. Innocent. He said, today, he said, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He said, today, it's happening today, bro. We're going together. Come on, somebody. Amazing. He wasn't baptized because he didn't get a chance. Okay? That doesn't mean you don't need to be baptized. It's a public declaration. Sorry, was that too, like, rude or something? I don't know. You all braced just now. You're like, ooh. He died that day. He didn't get a chance. Some people use that as an excuse to not be baptized, to not go public with their faith. Come on. You should go public with your faith if you never have. Absolutely. All right? Let me dunk you. It will be fun. I'll bring you back up. I'll bring you back up. We do, it's a party in here. The band will be rocking. It'll be fun. We'll be celebrating. So the point is there are those who love the darkness more than the light. That, what, what is that? That's people who do not want to confess their need of a Savior. They don't want to say, I have done wrong. I am wrong. I need someone to forgive me. They want to pretend. Loving darkness is loving hiding. Remember? We talked about it last week. They say, I'm gonna, loving darkness is like, you can't, I'm not going to admit to you that I have wrongdoing. I'm going to say, it's not wrong. What I did wasn't wrong. That's darkness. That's hiding. The truth is, you know it's wrong. Everybody has an innate knowing deep down inside of them. Okay? There might be the 1% who are so deceived or something or whatever who don't want to admit that they've done something wrong. But 99.9% of people I've ever met are like, oh, yeah, I've made mistakes. I, I messed up. I've hurt people. I, I, you know what I mean? 
And we're over here as the church, like, feeling like we got to inform people of their wretchedness. We got to inform them of their, you know, dysfunction. I'm like, they know. (laughs) They know. Like, oh, they have to feel the weight of their sin. Why don't they feel the lift of their Savior instead? I'm just, I'm over here going, you know what? Jesus didn't start with God so hated the sins of the world. God so hated the sinner. No, God so loved the world. That's the nature of this thing. And the need for it is wrongdoing has to be paid for. Right? Sin has to be paid for. You have all hurt people. You've been hurt by people. Hello? We, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But instead of shouting that, why don't we say, hey, you know what? Anybody feel like totally lost? You wake up and hate yourself. You go to sleep. You can't stop thinking about all the stuff in your life. You're tormented at night. You can't fall asleep. And and even when you're awake, you wish you'd be asleep because you just don't, you can't settle yourself. You have no peace within yourself. Yeah, that used to be me. I used to feel that exact same way. I know what that is. And I tried to get out. I tried to pacify myself. I tried to make myself feel better. Nothing worked, man. And then I heard about this man who said, I love you right where you're at. And I forgive you before you ever do anything wrong, before you ever made a mistake, he forgave your sins. And I was told, all you got to do is believe that it's real. And he'll change you from the inside out. And I said, okay, I believe. Eight-year-old Caleb. My dad was there. He's on the front row. It was real. I thought I was walking to the altar. He told me later that I was running. He was trying to keep up with me at our Southern Baptist Church, First Baptist Church of Dover, Dover, Florida, Gallagher Road. It's real. It's real in here. And you can share with your own story, your own testimony, because if you've had that moment with Jesus, you've had that encounter with Jesus, you are equipped to share the good news. It's your story now. That's how this works. He says, whoever believes in him would not perish. That Greek word perish means it's a compound word. It's apoolimai. And it means to be brought away from or to destroy. So to fully destroy, to cut away from and destroy. Does that make sense? So that they would not perish. So that they would not, let me read some of the definition in the setting. So anyone who believes in him would not be cut off entirely would not be fully destroyed, would not be brought to permanent destruction or canceled out, to not be um, ruined and brought to full, utter destruction by experiencing a miserable end. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not be brought to a miserable end. How many know some people are living like hell every single day of their life, right? And that hell has only begun. It will be brought to a miserable end. And if that alone doesn't move you a little bit, you need to pray for God to soften your heart. Because you've been brought back, saved from the miserable, perishing end that you were on, that trajectory you were on. Amen? Come on, anybody got a testimony? Anybody been saved in here? Anyone thankful for that? Like, you didn't do it to you. He rescued you. While you were still doing all the wrong things. What? Amazing. Oh, 
This is the good news. Today, the whole point is, what is the good news? I just want to say it clearly, and I want you to carry this out of here, all right? Here's the good news. The good news is God loves the world right now. The good news is the world has a Savior named Jesus. The good news is there is a way out of the death sentence that the human race is under. And the good news is there is light that dispels the darkness in our lives and all around us. And we believe, and let me help you, if you truly believe, you will repent. Believe and repent. Believing is the impetus. That's what starts you. But you know what comes next? Repentance, in my opinion, is actually a fruit of true belief. If you truly believe, you will repent. Repentance, let me help you. Repentance isn't when you cry. It's when you change. Repentance is when something happens on the inside in such a drastic measure. You cannot do what you used to do. And this is straight out of Acts 17. I don't have it on the screens for you, but Acts 17, 30 through 31, it says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. What is he talking about? He's talking about the times before, before Jesus came on the scene. All right? He's saying he overlooked it, but now there is a command from heaven. Do you understand? We're to be heralds of this command. Believe that he saved you. Change the way you're living. But we can't put the cart before the horse. Some people are trying to change without truly believing. That's called legalism. And honestly, that's about 80% of the church in the West. I think about 80% of the church should get saved. It's just my opinion. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> if you're trying to change before you truly believe, that's legalism. If you're trying to change your way into belief, into faith, you're trying to earn something because faith is a gift from God. So you're trying to earn the gift. That's legalism. We're to believe, and if we believe, we will repent because he's commanded it. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent, Acts 17, verse 30, because, listen, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So Jesus is appointed to return. Do you know this? Jesus is coming back. Do you understand? Yes? We believe in the bodily return of Jesus. Jesus took his body into heaven, and the angel said, the way you saw him depart is the way you'll see him come. So he took his physical body to heaven. Flesh and bone is on the throne of heaven right now. Okay? Flesh and bone. And he commands everyone everywhere to change. To stop going one direction and to go the other. Repent. Believe and repent. Because he's fixed a day. He will judge. He will separate the sheep from the goats. We're going to talk about it next week. He's going to say the sheep, they gave a cup of cold water. They gave clothing. They visited people, visited me in prison. And they're like, we didn't do that. He's like, yeah, well, anytime you helped one of the least of these children, you did it unto me. The goats, they lived a selfish life. He's talking about the fruit of repentance. He's saying it, they were walking in the truth of what happened inside of them or didn't. We're going to talk into that next week. But it, steps, it goes, starts with believing, and then it's repenting. It's saying, I need a Savior. I believe that there is one. Number one, I believe there's a Savior for my sins. I receive that Savior. I say, yes, I let him forgive me so I don't have to forgive me, right? And I'm no longer going to walk in the way I used to walk. I'm going to change the way I'm living. 
I'm going to stop being hateful by his help. You understand? That's the difference. Because the Holy Spirit comes inside, dwells in you, and helps you. And you're able to do all the things that you never could have done before. Hello? You know, the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's impossible to love your enemies, to bless those who curse you. It's impossible to keep your heart totally clean and pure towards everyone around you. It's impossible. And that's why you're called to it. Because in your weakness, he is proven strong. It proves it. There is something inside of you that is not of you. There's something inside that is not of you. It proves that God is not only in heaven, but God the Spirit is on the earth, living on the inside. Listen, I don't care if you roll around speaking tongues. I care how you speak to your waiter at lunch. I don't care what you declare, what you post on Facebook. I want to know how much time is your face in his book changing you. Like, how is it actually affecting you? Everybody talks about Bible translations, you know, the Passion Translation, all that stuff. I love what Brian Simmons says. He's like, the best translation is the one you live. What's the best translation? The one you actually live. (laughs) So find one and live it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So God loves a lost and condemned dying world. We're to believe and repent, change, so that we can walk out the good news. Amen? And final point, Jesus commissioned us to go and to share. You're all commissioned to do the work of an evangelist. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus said to them, all authority, say all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, I've been given all authority. It's time for you to go. He is seated in heavenly places, and it's our job now, his body on the earth, the bride of Christ, it's our job to go and make disciples of all nations. That's your job. That's my job. It's not the evangelist who comes to town. Their job. It's not only their job. Are you with me? It's all of us. We need to find our own unique way to step into this commissioning. Because he said, "Command, uh, teach them to observe everything I commanded you. And he commanded them to go. Are you with me? Connecting the dots here? So no more of this, I'm just not the hand. I'm not like that person. I'm not like them. I'm not an evangelist. I don't care. You're called to do the work of an evangelist. Not all are called to be evangelists. Evangelists equip the saints for the work of evangelism. That might not be all of you. In fact, that will be very few of you. But all of us are commissioned to go and to share, to be heralds of the good news, to be messengers, proclaimers, I love this from uh, Jeremy Jones. I don't know if I said it in this gathering or not. If I did, if this is repetition, I'm sorry. My mind is sleepy right now. I'm tired. But Jeremy, on Thursday prayer, Jeremy Jones, our AV serve team leader. Isn't he amazing? Our serve team, our AV audio video. (laughs) Doing a great job. Everyone on live stream should clap on live stream. I can hear you clapping because he's the only reason. Yeah, his team, and he makes. He said this at prayer. He says, we were praying about this series, and he, he grabs the mic and... He didn't actually physically drop the mic because he runs 
the audio video and he knows that would be bad. But <clears throat> he had a mic drop moment. He goes, thank you, God. We're not called to be salesmen. We're called to be witnesses. You're not there peddling something. You're not, it's not snake oil salesman. It's not like, ooh, say this prayer so that you can, I can claim I led someone to Jesus this week. The prayer that's not in the Bible, by the way. Okay? Just saying. Every single encounter of evangelism in the Bible is you met Jesus and you changed. That's literally it. Like Zacchaeus. Hello? Zacchaeus, tax collector, all that stuff. Jesus has a meal with them. Some of you are like, I don't know how to lead someone to pray a prayer. Well, can you lead them to lunch? <laughs> Jesus has lunch with Zacchaeus. And something happened during lunch. That Zacchaeus stands up and says, whatever I've defrauded anyone, I'll return. And more. And I'm not going to defraud anyone else. Jesus says salvation has come to this house. No prayer. No Holy Ghost like, you know. I'm trying to find all your buttons, you know. None of the usual tells that we would say are there. Salvation has come to this house. Someone believed, and they changed. You're called to go and to share that there is a Savior, that there is a way out from destruction. The whole human race is headed towards destruction. And destroying themselves along the way. But God made a way out. And they will not know unless you go. Unless you and I go. Now your going can look very different. In fact, this passage where it says, go therefore make disciples. You actually, the Greek there can be understood as, as you are going. As you are going. As you go along your everyday life. Look for opportunities to share. Look for people in pain and pray for them. Love them offer to buy them lunch, hear their story, make them ask you why you care about them. Oh, it's so simple. We made it so complicated. Let's make it simple again. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? We're just going to pray. I'm going to have the prayer team come forward. If you're here and you're, like, scared to death of sharing the gospel of, of leading people to Jesus. If that's super intimidating for you, today's the day to come out of fear. Amen? And this team here will pray with you to break that fear off of you. They will do that. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're here and maybe for the first time you just heard that God's not mad at you, that he loves you dearly enough to die for you, Jesus thinks you're to die for And all it takes is you confessing you need somebody to, to forgive you. And there's one man who's been appointed to judge the earth in righteousness. And he is returning. And on that day, he's going to say, these believed me, these didn't. And those who believed him will be given an opportunity to live in eternal bliss. You understand? Here's the deal. Salvation is like someone paying off the debt on your house, the house that you got evicted from. You were kicked out of the house because you couldn't pay the bills, but you still had the debt, and you're living on the streets. And somebody comes along and says, hey, I know you're sleeping on the streets. I paid off the debt of your old house. Not only that, I bought you a new one. 
Here's the deed. Your name is on it. Here's the keys. Enjoy the house. And I'll be around anytime you need anything else. I'd love to help you every day of your life. You need some yard work? I got you. You know? You want to help organizing it? I'd love to do that. You got some stuff you want to carry? Well, we're going to leave some baggage behind. Well, we'll bring some things with us. And refusing salvation is like refusing to believe that that debt has been paid and that new house is yours. And continuing to sleep in the street. You know what that's called? Stupid. I don't mind saying it. Why would you do it? Might as well give it a try. It's either foolishness or pride. Foolishness says, no, I'll just stay on the streets. It's fine. Pride says, ah, the house isn't the right color. It happens. Pride says, I'll dig myself out of this gutter on my own. I don't need any help. And some will make that choice. But why would you be so stupid? It's bought and paid for debt is gone. Time to enter into the house of your father and come home. So today, just everyone just close your eyes. And if you're here and you've already accepted the keys to the house and you're already in the living room with your feet up, let gratitude just swell. Look around and go, wow, I've been rescued. I'm so grateful. There's no collectors running after me. I get to enjoy the beauty of this new place. I have a family now. I am well provided for, and my Father is with me. But if you're here and you've never accepted it as true, you've never believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confessed through the mouth that Jesus is Lord, today is your day of salvation, friend. Today is your day. If you're in the comment thread watching this online, we have a team monitoring that right now. You can say, I want to believe today. And they'll respond to you. If you're here and you've never had that moment, as soon as I say amen, we're going to dismiss the room and you can come down to this team. And all you got to say is, I want to come home. I want to accept the house. If it's true, I want it. And they'll introduce you to my favorite person ever. His name's Jesus Christ. The kindest person you might have never met. <laughs> so, Father, I ask just two things this morning. That those who don't know you would come home. Come home to their family. Come home to their father. They get off the street and into the house. And Father, would you break the apathy off your family today? Would you send us with a mighty commissioning saying, Go! Get my kids! I want every single one of them in Tampa. Step into the work of an evangelist. God, would you give us a prophetic insight? Would you show us our family members who are currently strung out on drugs, who are currently a wreck? Would you give us a prophetic vision of them made whole? And would it like see jealousy in our heart? Would it make us want it, Lord, so that we would actually pray, so we would actually go? 
Give us insight and vision to see all of Tampa saved. Thousands coming to the Lord in Tampa Bay every single week. Let us see it, Lord, with your eyes. Father, break our hearts for the broken. Move us with compassion. Don't let us walk by another hurting one, another dying one, another hell-bound one. Don't let us walk by. Break our hearts for the broken, Jesus. And give us a grace to care for one another. Not just bring them to a point of prayer, but bring them into the care of the Lord. That we would be like your under-shepherds. That we would be those bringing the lost sheep to the good shepherd. Help us, Jesus. And give us a greater understanding this morning of the good news by the Spirit. Teach us your ways, Lord. Come on, somebody, say that. Teach me your ways, Lord. Show me the truth of it. Help me to be clear for every opportunity that comes. Father, we thank you. God, I declare the end of, by the end of this series, everyone will see and step into the work of, their, of evangelism. Every single one will see and step into the work of the evangelist on their life. Oh, God, we're, we need you. Come on. He's got to help us. He's got to help us. This isn't for the sake of numbers of people in this room. This is for the sake of marriages restored. This is for the sake of suicides prevented. This is for the sake of rape and murder diverted. This is for the sake of a society brought back to safety. For the sake of transformation in Tampa Bay. Let the kingdom come. Let his will be done in Tampa as it is in heaven. And we will be a part of it. We won't see the move of God. We will be the move of God in walking with you, Jesus, all empowered by your spirit. So, Lord, don't let a single person in this room leave without knowing you. And let those who walk out be sent out in Jesus' name. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. Thank you, Father, for your conviction and your empowerment and your love. And God, let us just start somewhere. This is my prayer. I'm almost done praying. Sorry, not sorry. This is my prayer, that we would just start somewhere. Every single one of us, just start somewhere. Invite them to church. If that's all you, want, you feel you can do, do it. Do it every week. Do it 10 times a week until they come. Invite them until they come. Lord, help us. We trust you to do it, Jesus. And God, we say, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Come on. Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Let gratitude well up in us, like we prayed earlier, so that we have something we want to talk about. <laughs> Not under obligation, but under the influence of joy. Come on. I want to be under the influence of the joy of my salvation. <laughs> Father, we thank you. I bless this room. I bless those watching on live stream. I thank you for this family with a yes for you. And Lord, we say, help us. Come on, say that with me. Help us, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Yeah. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Was that helpful? Good? Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored empowered and full of faith because of what you hear and we would love to see you at a gathering soon 
For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.